You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. The Bills season came to a disappointing end losing at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals 27-10 in Buffalo. And now, my Buffalo Blues. Hey, Bills Mafia. It's me, your host, Nick Scheist. It's a sad day. Not as heartbreaking as it was to close out last season, but you know what? Heartbreaking nonetheless. Still plenty annoying and frustrating and all of those things. I think disappointing might be the most appropriate word in this situation. Bummer, you know. It was such a tumultuous season off the field before the season even really started. The community had already gone through a lot with the top shooting. And then Dawson Knox, brother, passes away. So he and the rest of the team are entering into the season with very heavy hearts, and understandably so. And then beyond a lot of the -the off-the-field stuff that had happened prior to the season, then the regular season hits, and the Bills lose Micah Hyde for the remainder of the regular season. That happens in October. Josh Allen gets his arm torqued badly in the Jets game. And that happened in uh, early November. Then on Thanksgiving, the Bills get Trey White back and that looked like it was gonna be a shot in the arm momentum-wise. But on the same day, they lose Von Miller for the season when he tears his ACL in that Detroit Thanksgiving game. Despite that, the Bills rallied off four straight wins after the Thanksgiving game. But then about a month after Von Miller was placed on season-ending injured reserve, the Bills went to Cincinnati for that Monday night game. And we all saw what happened to DeMar Hamlin and then his recovery process beyond that. And in addition to all of that, then Western New York gets pummeled with a blizzard that, you know, took the lives of more than 40 people. There's so much, so much going on that, you know, on the one hand, it's a disappointing end to the season, but, you know, also with everything that the team has gone through this year, it's maybe understandable, at least to a certain degree. They just ran out of gas. And it's entirely possible that that is why they looked so flat against Cincinnati. And even Matt Milano in the locker room said there was just no juice, no energy, no momentum. You know, that's a bummer to hear for a team that's been in the playoffs four years straight, that's been in the divisional round three years straight, that played in an AFC title game two years ago. You know, I know it's hard to get back over and over again. And momentum and juice was not the only reason that this loss happened, but... I could understand that it is part of it. 
And now that we got the housekeeping stuff out of the way, it's time to actually take a look at this game, what happened, why it happened, and I guess how it happened. Coming off of the wildcard game last week against Miami, I had um, concerns, and I, I raised those concerns couple of times over the course of the last I would say half of the season when I really started like putting together my own data sheets for Bills games and tracking their drives their efficiency their um, ball control their play tendencies that kind of stuff and one thing that I saw in the Miami game that I was critical of when I did this show last week was that Against Miami, the Bills had 16 possessions, but their average time of possession was, I think, like less than two minutes. So looking at a game where you have 16 possessions and acting like that's normal, knowing full well that heading into the Bengals game, the Bengals are going to run the ball, the Bengals are going to play defense, and they're going to shorten the game. So part of the immediate aftermath of this game is a lot of people calling for Ken Dorsey to be fired. And while I have had my issues with Dorsey in terms of his uh, situational play calling and things of that nature, uh, I don't know that firing him is the right answer. He's a first-year offensive coordinator. Um, I just think when you look at the success that Brian Dable is having in New York and what he was able to do with Daniel Jones and a lot of injuries at their skilled receiver positions, I think there's just more of a glaring disparity between those two guys. That doesn't mean that Ken Dorsey uh, is not going to be capable of improving as an offensive coordinator and maybe even leading the Bills to a Super Bowl. Um, and there's nothing to say that maybe he doesn't get better and his philosophy just doesn't work for what the Bills want to do. Those two things can, you know, either road, I think, is available right now. It's hard to say. But after last week against Miami, me and plenty of other people raised concerns about the types of situational play calls that were going into the game. On third and short, taking deep shots downfield, um, was getting frustrating and it's not like it was the only against Miami where it happened this has been going on all season um, it was just in the Miami game where they almost lost to a third string quarterback that all of a sudden it was like hey maybe this is of concern and then I felt like some of the Bills media that I'm not going to mention because that's not what I'm here for but I felt like me and the people that believe that uh, those kinds of situational play calls were bad were just told to calm down and that we were blowing things out of proportion from the Miami game. And that was the narrative in the week leading up to this game. But it felt like the efficiency concerns were just dismissed. Then we get to the game and what happens on the Bills' very first possession? Of course, they come out throwing on first down because they always throw on first down to open the game. I can't even remember the last time the Bills ran the ball to start a football game. Um, and if I know that, the Bengals sure as hell know that. But anyway, 
They get a couple of short passes. They set themselves up in third and four. And then Allen misses Diggs, who is open on probably like a 20, 25-yard route downfield. Um, so it's like, okay, that's your guy. He's open. You're looking for the big shot. But again, it's like snowing outside. And really deep passing is not what you want to invest your game plan in in those kind of conditions. So, you know, he took a shot, but you're throwing the ball that far downfield. It's it's hard, especially in those conditions. Like, in perfect conditions, he probably hits digs on that. But the conditions aren't perfect, and seeing the game plan, like, not being adjusted for that uh, is concerning. And that play might have even been designed to get Cincinnati to take away everything short and try to open up digs behind the defense because the Bills like to play super aggressive throwing the ball early to see if they can hit some of those chunks and start to play with a lead. You know, but they were already down 7 nothing there, so they're not really playing with the lead. And then they give the ball back to Cincinnati on a punt after going 3-and-out and out again. And the Bengals come down and score again. It's 14-0, so it's okay. The Bills got to put a drive together. They run a couple of times. They get to 3rd and 5. Allen incomplete to Singletary. They barely they barely move the ball at all there. They punt again, three plays, five yards. Um, and now it's like, okay, they're down 14 nothing. They're not doing anything with the ball. What is going to happen here? And so, you know, the quarter basically comes to an end. They do get a punt. And then they score a touchdown. Then you look at their touchdown drive. It's like, okay, they ran the ball seven times. They ran it more than they threw it on their touchdown drive. And that drive took seven minutes. So they can put it together when they understand that like they're going to just get small chunks and just start adding those up. That's how the Bills play their best football. It's like, yeah, it's nice to throw the ball downfield and get big, big plays and have those big strike momentum plays and everything like that. But really, the Bills are at their best when they balance things and they take what's there and they get to work. And so they put together almost an eight-minute drive. They score. They make it... Uh, 14-7 at that point, but that drive went, you know, technically 75 yards, but they got hit with a holding penalty that they then needed to recover from as well, and they did. But they ran the ball seven times. They didn't get a ton of yards. You know, they had um, 19 rushing yards, but they got down into the goal situation, and they gave the ball to Josh Allen, and he went five of six on that drive as well, and he, he did get sacked there. And then... They give up a field goal back to the Bengals, so they're down 10. They get the ball back, and then they punt on seven plays, and they're passing first. He goes three of seven on the drive. There was two tipped passes uh, on this one drive alone, and they get into a situation where it's fourth and 10 at the Cincy 41. There's like 40 seconds left, and they were definitely scared of getting down 20 to 7 potentially 24 to 7 so they punted and you know the crowd booed them at this point or at least they booed the decision uh because you know you're down 10 at home and nothing's really working you know they got to first and 10 here on this drive uh at their own 34 and then there's a big play uh, to Gabe Davis for 25. So it moves him into Cincinnati territory. First and 10 at the 41. Ball gets knocked down. Second and 10. Incomplete over the middle to Singletary. Like, I saw the play happening. Allen was, like, kind of looking for him. He's trying to, like, look the defense off and then come back to Singletary. 
and he had to adjust his throw a little bit and it was just off target they don't connect there and then on third and ten uh he goes incomplete deep to Diggs, and i don't remember if this is the play where Diggs uh hurt his finger but third and ten at the cincinnati 41 you're inside a minute you're down 10 at home you don't need to go for the home run on third and 10 even if you get say half of that and you get to fourth and five you're at the cincinnati 35 at that point you could try a 52 yard field goal in the snow you got bass for a reason i mean he's got a big leg this is what he's here for so if you get half of that distance on that third and ten which Deion Dawkins got hit with a holding penalty anyway. So even if they get any distance, they'll accept the holding penalty and that'll move them back. But philosophically, from an offensive standpoint, like you need to either attack the first down marker and try to get the first down or give yourself enough distance to try to maybe put some points on the board here. And instead they go deep right. And, you know, maybe this is... Maybe it's on Allen. He's making possibly a bad decision here. Like, I haven't gone back and watched the game because I'm not ready for that yet. Um, but I don't even necessarily want to see, like, a deep route in this situation. You don't have to go to the end zone here on third and ten. So I just want to – I think if I'm remembering this one correctly, it was just kind of like a miscommunication on where he wanted Diggs to go. But nonetheless – try to get something underneath here even if Allen scrambles and he gets you into a fourth and short and there's no holding there you know you could maybe go for it on fourth and short when you're inside of 40 seconds remaining in the half you know there's there's more options on the table than if you just have an incomplete deep ball on third and ten so regardless bills don't convert they punt uh Cincinnati does try to take a shot down towards the end zone but they don't get it and the bills are getting the ball back so yeah shitty first half didn't not how you wanted to go um but you're getting the ball back you know you're gonna have a chance to get back in the game and so first drive out of the half bills come out they run the ball on first down because i think they know better at this point um they started their own 28 and even if i'm looking at that their own average starting field position in this is much worse than it was in any of the other recent games i mean looks like in the first half it was their own 23 and then it's definitely worse than that in the second half but this first drive of the second half they run the ball five times they throw it six times they have balance they get down the field um they get to third and seven at the cincinnati seven and they decide to throw again but that's incomplete and they take the field goal there so okay you know not the end of the world they cut the game they cut the lead to seven all they need to do is come out here and get a stop defensively and then they're going to give themselves a chance um this was the drive though on a first and 10 at the cincinnati 20 where they take a shot at the end zone and digs uh hurts his finger sliding as the ball is out of bounds and just, I'm going to be realistic, this ball wasn't close. Like, even if Diggs gets his hands on it and catches it, he's way out of bounds. So, if you're Josh Allen and you're going to, like, force that ball there, in those conditions again, like, not easy to throw the ball in the snow, um, and you're taking a fairly low percentage play 
even if it is your best player and you make a great throw, that's still a lower percentage play than you would, than I would ideally like. Um, and then on second and ten, they convert to Beasley over the middle on like a little inside slant, and I. I feel like it has to be said, like, I don't understand why they brought Cole Beasley back to throw him the ball, like, twice a game. That's what he's there for, is these kinds of situations, and he paid off on a couple of them. I think he scored a touchdown in the Miami game on a similar situation, so it's like he he was such a huge part of the offense for then to him leave and then go through the trouble of bringing him back and then to not really like utilize him the way that he could, especially when your offense is not cooking the way that you want it to, is confusing. But nonetheless, Beasley picks up the first down, first and goal at the Cincy nine, Cook loses yards, um, and the Bills struggled to run the ball the whole game, but they also didn't really try. I'm, I'm gonna be perfectly honest, they, they barely ran the ball at all. So I don't think it's a fair sample size to say that they couldn't run the ball. Um, And in those conditions, they should be trying to run the ball, no matter how you look at it. So he loses two yards. Uh, Allen hits Hines, and Hines falls down the catch for four yards. So didn't even really get anything out of that. They just, the way they've utilized Hines in the passing game has not been effective at all. But it feels like they just want to get him snaps out there. like, he's a good return man. He's fast. I'm sure he has qualities that they see in practice that they want to get onto the field. But I haven't seen a play from him really this year where I... I mean, no, there was one. He had, like, a nice catch and run on a on a screen or something like that for a touchdown. But it felt like he was underutilized and only bringing him in to kind of, like, step in in these kind of moments. But second and goal, like, the footing's not great. He kind of falls down but catches it, and they gain four yards. Then he goes incomplete. Then Allen goes incomplete to Knox. They take the field goal. So yeah, it's only a seven-point game at that point. But you've got to still stop Cincinnati, which the Bills didn't do. They really didn't do it at all. Um, and you know, in talking to a friend of mine who's also a Bills fan, and another friend of mine who is a uh, just a football fan, and. He was telling me, like, getting caught up on the game after I had already finished it. Um, And my summation for him was that the Bills didn't win the trenches. Like, they got dominated in the trenches. Like, offensive line, defensive line, both sides. Uh, And it's a byproduct of the Bengals being an AFC North football team that has to play the Ravens and the Steelers and the Browns that all play smash-mouth, cold-weather football. And... They're built to play in the kind of conditions that we saw in Buffalo. You know, just big guys winning small battles, and those add up over time. And so even when the game got cut to seven, the Bengals put together a 12-play, 75-yard drive, and they just, like, chip away, chip away. I mean, they were getting guys wide open, too. The Bills were playing a lot of zone early in the game. Um... And they, they had better success when they switched to man, but, you know, they got down 14 nothing playing zone, and then you had, like, Poyer making mistakes, Edmonds making mistakes, guys overcommitting to the wrong zone. Like, it was really wild to see all of, like, the Bills' best defensive players kind of, like, making crucial mistakes like that. Um, Ed Oliver was getting, like, just double-teamed and handled. Like, the whole D-line really just got smushed for the most part. I don't even know... Buffalo had two tackles for a loss, but I remember in my notes, give me one second, 
the Bills did not create a, an empty play for the Bengals until there was four minutes left in the first quarter and Matt Milano finally came up with a tackle for a loss. But aside from that, every single play to that point was a positive. Like the Bengals didn't even lose, they didn't even have an empty play. So no plays with zero yards. They just went down the field and dominated. I think Burrow was like six for six to start the game, nine for nine maybe at one point. Um, but yeah, the defense was just not prepared for what the Bengals were doing. And, you know, even though my priority for DeMar Hamlin's health definitely overrode um, my desire for the Bills to beat the Bengals in that regular season game, the reason I had wanted that game since last season, and it's the game that I circled on the calendar the most for this year, is because of who the Bengals are. And I knew that because of what the Bengals were able to do last year in the playoffs, I knew how well coached they were. I know how well they adjust. I know the kind of football that they play. And I wanted to see the Bills get tested by that Bengals team at that point in the season. And because they didn't get to see it up close and personal, you know, a month ago, they got to see it up close and personal in this game. So the Bills wouldn't score again either after um, that touchdown drive to put Cincinnati up 24-10. That was, that was the end of it for the Bills. They three and outed again after that because they come out and they go first and 10, deep pass, surprise, incomplete. Um, they get a little bit back on a, underneath on a pass to McKenzie, gets eight. And then incomplete to Davis. I think that was a deep ball, too. And honestly, like, Gabe should have probably caught that ball. It looked like he had it and then just got wrestled away. Uh, So, you know, people want to say, oh, Gabe Davis should have caught that ball and this and that. And it's like, yeah, he probably should have. But that's a ball that you're throwing 40 yards downfield in the snow with a guy who's fairly close to him. Like, yes, he should make that catch. But also that's, again, a low percentage play on a third and two and you're going way downfield to try and make that happen. And then the quarter ends, and they give the ball back to the Bengals, and the Bengals coming at a field goal, and it's 27-10. The Bills actually put together a decent drive here. Uh, I mean, it's kind of out of reach, but, you know, they're down 17, about 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter when they get the ball. So if they score and they cut it to 10, like, they might have a shot. But they get down to first and 10 at the Cincinnati 20. Uh First pass is to Singletary, who gets tackled for no gain. Then uh, incomplete to Diggs. That ball's batted down. Then Spencer Brown gets false started. So third and 10 turns into third and 15. And then they end up getting a little bit back underneath. And of all the times, like it's third and 15. And of all the times where you want to maybe run a route, that's a deep route maybe then you go with the deep route but in that situation they're like okay we're gonna throw it underneath and get Singletary nine yards out of it because we're planning on going for it on fourth down anyway but I don't understand why all of a sudden like you use this mentality once the game is almost out of reach mathematically for you at that point the way the possessions are going so This is where I think the criticism of Ken Dorsey is more than fair. Um, Because the way I look at offensive football is when you're you're playing for first downs, you got to attack the sticks. And 
on third and 15, if you're going to throw a screen pass, like you're lucky, first of all, that Singletary got nine yards out of that because he had to put in a lot of effort to get those extra like four or five yards. So you could have been in a fourth and 10 situation again. So you wouldn't have even been in fourth and six, like what you would say is fourth and manageable, right? And then in fourth, fourth and six from the 16, I think Allen ends up scrambling or he's under pressure and he tries to move to the right and throws the ball to Davis and that's off target too. So you've got Josh Allen who's been, you know, somewhat off target on some big throws during the game. You've got to shorten the distance which he needs to make those completions. You've got to start making things easier on him and easier on your offense as a whole. And even though they got the punt, you know, it was too late. And then they come down and he throws a bad interception intended for Beasley at the end. Again, another inaccurate ball underthrown. Um, so even though like he finishes the day 25 of 42 passing and you're going to give him, you know, 260 something passing yards, like I don't think he played well in the game. Like, I don't think he played horribly. Um he was under pressure a lot. The offensive line was struggling, even though they only really got hit for the, I think, one holding penalty that was enforced, one that wasn't, and the false start. So it's not like they're getting penalized like crazy, like they had in weeks leading up to this game along the offensive line. It was defensively where, you know, Trey White, I think, got hit with a couple of pass interference calls, one of which him and Jordan Poyer collided and knocked each other out. And, uh, that was really the bane more than anything. Anytime that they were able to get some momentum on defense, it would be a bad play the other way. But, you know, I'm kind of like watching some of the highlights here again. And like the Bengals players are wide open a lot. So it wasn't just miscommunication. Like it was poor design, poor concept understanding uh, from the defensive side too. So if you want to be critical of Leslie Frazier, I think that's more than fair in this situation as well. I'm not the kind of person who's like, you need to fire him because of this, but you are now at the point where you're what, four or five years into this system and you went from uh, not making the playoffs to being a wild card team that lost in Houston on some bad luck. Then you go to the AFC title game and you lose in Kansas City to, you know, the perennial favorite in the AFC in Kansas City. And you learn your lessons from that. And you come out the following year and you look like you struggle in the middle of the season, but you figured it out down the stretch. And then you get hot in the playoffs and it looks like you're going to beat Kansas City and then you lose in the divisional round. And now you you played for that number one seed. You played for that home field advantage. You get the home field advantage and then get one-sidedly beat I mean look let's be honest the Bills got dominated in this game okay it sucks to say it but it's true they did um and so they got dominated at home and you've got to start asking like what what the end trajectory is here because you know in talking to my friend I said that it seems like they've built this team as if they were like the 99 Rams, like the greatest show on turf. But look at the conditions that they played in. I think they're still not building a dome, so it's still gonna be cold, it's still gonna be snowing outside in Buffalo for the foreseeable future. Um, you need to start building this team like they play in the AFC North because you're gonna have to deal with teams like the Bengals, potentially like the Ravens, potentially like the Steelers, you know, 
So it's just weird to me that the the front office kind of designed this team as if they're a dome team, which they're definitely not. And then you get into a game like this where your offensive coordinator wants to only give your running backs 11 total carries. Allen had eight, and three of those were scrambles. So you're really looking at 16 actual designed runs. And, you know, if you've listened to this, you know exactly what I'm going to tell you here. Balance is key for the Bills offense. It has been. I've pointed this out. I've done the homework to show it. And you know my Goldilocks zone is 60-40. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't want necessarily the Bills to have to be a pass first, or excuse me, a run first team because they do have Josh Allen. They have Diggs. Like, they're a pass first team. That's okay. But you have to be able to keep the defense honest. And one of those things that I like to look at is that true run pass rate and like i said the goldilocks zone is 60 40 when the bills start even 35 65 run pass is acceptable uh but the closer or the further away that gap gets so once the bills get to 70 percent plus on passing they lose when the bills throw the ball 50 times a game they lose and in this game you know they they threw it 47 times so they were flirting with that but they didn't have any balance they only ran the ball 25% of the time. So you're telling a good defense that's very well coached, that runs a good scheme, that we're going to throw three out of four plays. And you're expecting that to win. Um, and like Devin Singletary didn't like blow the roof off, but he's averaging four yards a carry. You might as well give him more than six touches. I mean, Cook wasn't really getting it done. You couldn't run the outside kind of zones with him in those conditions. So he only had 13 total yards on five carries. And then Allen, as a actual uh, runner, not when he's scrambling, you t- got to take 14 yards off of his rush total. So he only had five carries for 12 yards as a runner. So it, it wasn't that the Bills cannot run the football. It's that they run in a small sample size, and then they get frustrated, and it's just, oh, well, we have Josh Allen, and we're going to throw every play, and because we have Josh Allen, that'll eventually work. That's not an offensive identity at all, let alone a sustainable one. I mean, think about this. The Bills ran 63 plays in the game, and 47 of those were passing plays. Come on, like, this is the divisional playoffs against a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, a team that, with Joe Burrow, has never lost to your rival, the Chiefs, and you're going to come out there and just tell them you're going to throw basically every play? That ain't going to get it done. And it didn't. Um, The Bills only possessed the ball for 26 minutes of the game. Uh, They only had 63 rushing yards. But look at rushing attempts. The Bengals had 34 rushing attempts. And they had 36 passes, but they had balance. And the Bengals ran for 172 yards on the ground. Something like that. Yeah. Mixon had 105, running over the Bills' defense. Uh, P. Ryan had 7 for 33. He had enough. Burrow, you know, he had a couple big ones, unfortunately. He had a 21-yarder that was very clutch when it happened. And, you know, I think you look at why 
a guy like Diggs is frustrated. He had 10 targets, but only four catches. And I think part of that was, you know, the conditions weren't allowing for Allen to really be super accurate. And then when you look at how the Bengals, you know, approached the early part of the game with the Bills playing zone, like they weren't asking Joe Burrow to throw into like crazy tight windows. Like guys were wide open. They were designing plays to, to make the Bills move and then throwing into open spots. I mean, I can't tell you how many times during the game I was like, how is he wide open? How did you leave Jamar Chase wide open on his touchdown catch at the beginning of the game? Like you let a, a player that's that good be that wide open, have space to run. Of all the people on the field you need to be paying attention to, how is he not the one? And, you know, credit to Joe Burrow. He he avoided pressure on this play. He steps up in the pocket. He makes a throw to the open guy. Um, so it seems like a situation where they're bringing pressure to challenge this offensive line that's depleted. Um, but it's not a good sign that the Bills weren't able to, like, win with four. You know, I've got to be honest that I'm, I'm disappointed in you know, what I got out of Greg Rousseau and AJ Epinesa. I mean, Boogie Basham was probably the best D lineman uh, for the Bills in this game. Uh, But they as a team still only had two tackles for loss and one sack. And guess what? That all came from Matt Milano. They're all pro player. So of course, Matt Milano is going to be the guy that does that. But I think Jordan Phillips was out there playing with like a rotator cuff injury as well. Um, no Daquan Jones really hurt them in the interior of that line, but you know, I expected more out of this defensive line. Ed Oliver had one tackle. I mean, he was getting smushed all day. Uh, and then you look at the Bengals, like they only had two tackles for losses and a sack as well, but they were they were able to scheme up the Bills defense much better than vice versa. So, you know, last year when that KC game ended in the way it ended. It was, of course, heartbreaking, you know, to be that close, to have it taken away uh, in the way that it did. But it feels to me like at the end of last season, right, the way that game ended, the narrative was that, well, if the Bills would have just had the ball in overtime or if they just survived the 13 seconds, then they beat the Chiefs. And so there started to be this narrative getting built that the Bills were the better team than the Chiefs. And had the Bills gone to the next round against the Bengals, that they would have beat the Bengals and gone to the Super Bowl. And so that narrative started to persist. But, you know, you start the season with, hey, we're Super Bowl favorites. This is kind of, you know, who we believe ourselves to be. And had it just not been for, you know, some small mistake against the Chiefs, uh, we would have gone to the Super Bowl, right? And I think what it did is it created maybe like a false sense of security that what we're doing is right. What we're doing is um, the best that we can be doing. And it was just bad luck, right? So it's like the Bills didn't keep getting better the Bengals got better so all of a sudden now you're going to have a bunch of young teams next year in the AFC that are getting better that are getting hungry like the Chargers should in theory be better the Jags are going to be better and the Bills need to be getting better and I think that's going to be the biggest thing for them in the offseason is taking a look at like what has happened since a couple of years ago because when they 
when they lost that game in Kansas City two seasons ago in the conference title game, it was like they weren't ready, you know? So they go out and they rebuild the defensive line. Um, they change a little bit of their philosophy on the defensive line. They go and get to the game in Kansas City again in the divisional round where they have Kansas City on the ropes. They take the lead with 13 seconds left. And then we all know what happens from there. And then did, you know, they make the move for Von Miller in the offseason to really like lock up the defense. And he, of course, gets injured. Um, but then with Brian Dable moving on, like they didn't change their philosophy at all. Uh, if anything, it became more pass heavy with Dable leaving. And, you know, I had my issues with Dable last season too, but when it comes down to it, like, I don't remember the Bills scoring 10 last year. I know, I know they had one clunker of a game against, um, who was it? Indianapolis. They, well, they did have that clunker against Jacksonville too, where they only scored six. And they lost to New England 14-10 in that terrible conditions. But, like, I, I couldn't remember the Bills getting really, like, handled like this since that Colts game last year where they lost 41-15 to and just got completely uh, run over in that game. But since that moment, I don't feel like the Bills were ever in a game that, like, wasn't competitive up until Sunday. And I think the bright side is that even though the Bengals did dominate and, you know, pretty much cruised, this game still was 17-10 at one point. And it wasn't completely out of reach. So it's good to know that, like, hey, even if you really are getting beat badly in the first half by this team, like, you were there, you had a chance to get a stop and make it a game for yourselves. And, you know, there was opportunity present. It wasn't just like, Hey, it's, com it's all bad. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens heading into the off season, because I don't know what they're going to do. It seems like they're going to try to hang the blame on somebody. Um, but as I've told some people today, like the off season is going to start in the mirror. That's really where it's going to be. So from the top down, McDermott, uh, Leslie Frazier, Brandon Bean, Josh Allen, all the guys in the leadership roles, they're going to need to really take a look in the mirror and figure out what happened and what the way forward is. Because as a franchise, they've been telling us as the fans, you know, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. And I think having gone through such a long drought period to see like a playoff team uh, to see a team that's put up 13 wins in two of the last three seasons to see a team that has 10 wins I think in four consecutive seasons like that's not something that we've been accustomed to for the last 20 something years so to see that it's kind of easy to be like yeah I do trust the process because it's obviously working um, but I think something that happened this season is that the Bills started to get away with winning games where they weren't playing good football. If you think back to the first game of the season against the Rams, I think they turned the ball over four times in that game. And at the time, it was like, hey, the Rams are the defending Super Bowl champs. The changes to their team aren't going to be so 
massive that the Rams are a bad team, but then you look back on that win and that win did not age well. Kind of same thing with Tennessee. You didn't think Tennessee was like as bad as they were at the time that the Bills beat them. And then you look at the rest of the season. It's like, yeah, Tennessee was not a good team this year. Like in the Miami game, they turned the ball over four times and they escape with a three point win. And it's like, well, a win is a win. Like it's still a playoff win. It's like, yeah, but there was people saying that like, look, if the Bills play like this, they're going to get their asses kicked by the Bengals. And we were told to basically shut up because a win is a win is a win, right? And I'm not trying to be Mr. Negativity here. Um, I picked the Bills to win. I was confident that they were going to show up and play better than they did, but I knew the Bengals were a good team. I knew it was going to be a challenge. And for me, it's important to not confuse results with reality. Yes, wins are important in all shapes and sizes. They're all different, but I think it just got a little bit easy uh, and dismissive to be like, oh, well, the Bills won, so therefore they're playing good football. And I don't think the two things necessarily always line up. Like, yes, they played well enough to win some games, uh, and they won a lot of games. They played really well in some games, but there's also games where they didn't play well, or at least didn't play their best, and still walked away with wins, and it just became kind of easy to excuse that. However, what we just saw in that divisional round game is very difficult to excuse. And yeah, there's reasons for it, of course, and those are things that are going to have to be addressed um, from the top down. The leaders, both in and outside that locker room, are going to have to take a seriously hard look at their leadership style and what they want to get out of this team. Because if you want to be like a good team that's in contention, well, you're already there. You know, this is a team that you get your name floated around maybe like two, three seasons in a row of being a Super Bowl contender. So you've already accomplished that. And, you know, you either have to, like, go forward or figure out why uh, you're maybe regressing a little bit and address those issues. There's going to be a lot of talk about replacing Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier and Ken Dorsey, and there's going to be a lot of that. So just buckle up and be prepared to hear a lot. I don't have the answers. I'm not inside that locker room. I can tell you that for sure the philosophy has to change because if nothing else, uh, the Bengals showed him that. There's no arguing with what we saw on the field. Again, there might be reasons for why things went down that way. Um, I hope that the coaching staff and all that can actually figure those reasons out. But the reality of the situation is that the Bills were not as close to the Super Bowl as we thought they were. I don't think they're as close as they thought they were. And that's a hard reality to swallow. And I think you saw like the frustration boil over a little bit on the sideline with Diggs and Allen. Um, looked like Diggs was having a hard conversation with Allen, we'll put it that way. Um, the rumor is that he stormed out of the locker room and had to be brought back into the locker room to be addressed by the coaches and you know he's a fiery competitor and that part I understand um, 
whether or not that has any lasting impact beyond this season, you know, that remains to be seen. I hope not. I love Diggs. I hope he wants to be a part of this team and wants to be part of the solution uh, to getting the Bills a Super Bowl win. But, you know, a lot of that remains to be seen. As I'm here recording, I just saw that Diggs put out a statement on his Twitter saying, want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to the standard? Nah. So, obviously he's hearing the chatter and seeing what's going on with the sideline, and he's still pissed. And hopefully he is the rising tide that lifts all ships and that his level of seriousness and commitment and passion is what galvanizes everybody else. And unfortunately, it all remains to be seen because the Bills season is over. And now, I don't know, we have to watch the playoffs without our team in it yet again. Uh... And I was telling someone today, like, if you step far enough back and your your perspective is wide enough, the Bills being in a position to host a playoff game against the defending AFC champs this season is impressive, considering all of those things I laid out earlier in the episode. The shooting, the uh, death of Dawson Knox's brother. I mean, I didn't even talk about Dane Jackson being carted off in an ambulance earlier in the game where Micah Hyde hurt his neck. So the PTSD of then seeing that ambulance on the field and going through it again with DeMar Hamlin, uh, losing Vaughn Miller, having Allen's elbow get messed up to the point where it's like he may have his season lost. Um, You know, the Bills went through a ton of adversity this season, more, more than most teams even in years with a lot of adversity even other teams who have gone on to have success in the wake of large community community tragedies like uh the yankees after 9-11 or the red sox after the boston marathon bombing or uh the las vegas golden knights after the las vegas shooting like you know there is a certain amount of energy that like galvanizes the team to perform for the town but like those cities were not like hit with one thing after the other like the bills were this year so the the meshing of the bills organization and the community of buffalo i think is very tight and i do think that from this close to the game when a lot of people are still raw emotionally about it that it's hard to take a step back and see that what the Bills were able to do this season was actually still super impressive. Um, And maybe it's just because I've been a fan for 30 plus years and I've been here before and I know I'm going to be here again at some point that it's maybe just a little bit easier of a pill to swallow. Maybe because it wasn't the same kind of heartbreaking uh, end to the game that it was last year. But... It definitely still sucks, and I understand Diggs' frustration. I mean, I don't play NFL football, but I've played competitive athletics my whole life, and I understand his feeling of uh, frustration in this moment. You know, I still still love the Bills. I still love this team. Um, I want to see them get better. I'm here for that journey of them getting better. I think what I would like to see personally is more maturity and more accountability is probably the best way that I can put it and 
don't tell me, show me. <sighs> well, you know, I'm sure that I've rambled on long enough at this point. It's been almost 50 minutes. I have no intentions of spending an hour doing this, but wanted to come in here, get the final episode of the season uh, in the books. Nobody really listens to this show anymore, and whether or not I'm going to be back doing this next season uh, under its own umbrella outside of the Shice podcast remains to be seen, but I still love the Bills. Uh, I'm still going to talk about them one way or another, whether or not it's hosting a podcast that um, does take time and resources away from other things I'm working on. So that all remains to be seen, but if you have listened to this show, if you are finishing up listening to this episode right now, I do thank you for your time. I know a lot of us are hurting and frustrated and sad and feeling a lot of different emotions right now, so I don't even know if what I said made sense over the course of these 47, 8 minutes, whatever it is now, Um, but I hope that at least me trying to share how I feel and what I'm thinking might help you. I know it's, you know, it's helped a couple people that I've spoken to, so that's good, and I'll take that. Um, But yeah, if you're a listener of the show, thank you so much. Uh, If you're not a regular listener, you know, thank you for stopping by and listening to this. Uh, And until next time, stay safe, be well, and win, lose, or draw, it's always go Bills. Take care, everybody. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way too. This show is an extension of thescheist.com, and you can contact me at info at thescheist.com or at scheistpodcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills!